What's going on, Whisper Nation? Welcome to another Mock Draft Monday. It's March 29th. Get ready for a 12-team Superflex half-point PPR with me, Johnny, and Big Travi. Let's do it. Right here. End of March. We've got the draft coming up. We're mock drafting away. I can't wait to finally know where these rookies are going to actually be housed here pretty soon, Johnny. But how about you, man? How are you feeling right now and getting excited for the upcoming draft and NFL season? Oh, I'm getting I'm getting so amped uh, every day. We do a little bit more and more research, and I'm getting a picture of these teams, what they did last year, what they could be doing. Seeing these moves of the free agency has been wild. Um, a little bit disappointing, I'd say, as, as well. Um, but it's good because we're getting those pieces to fill in. So we get that overall overall big picture. That the big picture's starting to come picture. together. Exactly. Right, all the puzzle pieces. And Travi, how about our Packers, man? We didn't make a ton of moves, but we kept on to some of the pieces. Aaron Jones, I know we talk in every mock draft. We thought he was somewhere else. Uh, how are you feeling about the Packers right now? Yeah, I, I still have to pinch myself that we signed him. I, I we, we were so dead set that it wasn't going to happen, um, and now it's just readjusting to that reality now. And then watching them kind of whiff, as Johnny said, there was some disappointment in free agency. You feel like the Packers, who were supposed to be in the market for a wide receiver, really didn't sign anybody yeah. um, so then you're like okay well hopefully we'll draft him but you can't really count on that with green bay so we'll see we could be rolling with the same exact wide receiving core as we've done for the last few years and a lot of wide know. receiver shakeups too not not in green bay but a lot around the season we got johnny cardinals home counter over there just signed aj green and a lot of wide receiver action and Actually, there's a ton of stuff. My boy Rashad Perriman is now uh, getting Matt Stafford thrown in the ball. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to talk about all of the action NFL, especially with you, Whisper Nation. So if you're joining us on YouTube, if you're joining us on Twitter or Facebook, welcome. Make sure you like and subscribe so you can catch the daily notifications coming your way. And also have an opportunity to join our Mock Drafts Live. It's one of our favorite things to do every week is to Mock Draft Live with you. We do it every Monday right around 12.05 Pacific Standard Time. And we let those links out on Twitter. So make sure you follow us on Twitter as well as like and subscribe on your social media platform of choice to catch all the good stuff coming your way every single day. Johnny. Is there anything that people need to know before we get this mock draft started? I see you're here in third. We've got Travi in eighth. I'm at the end here in 12. We've got the Cats Pajamas joining us, the FB Therapist, Prime Time Mock. I love that specific name here. And Jay Blizzy, Whisper Nation champion, drafting alongside of us. We've got a couple more minutes before we'll get started. So if you want to grab that one, two, six, nine, or 10 spot, go ahead, follow along on Twitter and jump into the sleeper room. We can draft along with you. Like I said, it's one of our favorite things to do. Johnny, anything that people need to know about this one? Or anything you want to say before we get this bad boy started? I, I tweeted out or I, I put a link uh, in the comments. So if, if anyone wants to join, we got a couple more seconds before that. Um, as well as it, a reminder, half point PPR, super flex. So quarterbacks could be coming off the board a little bit early, but you never know. Whisper Nation is pretty smart. They usually wait. I think in this mock draft... I'm going to wait as long as possible. That's going to be my strategy. I'm going to reveal it now, so I, I don't I don't take a lot of heat later. In terms of drafting a quarterback, yeah, I'm going to wait. I'm going to do uh, like normally. It's been kind of wild because normally, lately, uh, and I say lately, and I say that in like the past year and a half, I've been kind of doing flirting with the strategy of taking quarterbacks earlier. Yeah, and just like feeling feeling out that team. 
But today I'm going to try and, and grab those late, late guys, build up a nice solid foundation, see what I can do um, and, and, and go from there. Right on. Well, there's a lot of ways to uh, pin this cat. I want to say skin this cat because I love my cats and that's just a violent <laughs> metaphor that we could really work out of our vernacular, but I haven't gotten it and have it yet. So uh, plenty of ways to spin cat. I. I don't yeah. know if they like the spinning, but uh, Travi, you, do you play in any super flex leagues? I am not in any. I'm not in any super flex leagues, but it is a growing, a vastly popular, uh, demanded uh, platform or style, I should say, that you play in. And so, yeah, we we need to get on this and and start getting out there with Whisper Nation and mock drafting more of it. Um, but I, I have not played with anything with a QB premium like super flex. Uh, in, I haven't either. I think. Why wouldn't it just be super fun? Like if you take the traditionalist sense away from it and you're just scoring points, creating opportunities for big plays, falling in love with your players. Yeah. Super flex seems like maybe maybe a good route to go. And it's like QB seems to be the one um, position where you're like, man, I, you're kind of more in love with a bunch of guys, I, I would say. Like you're, you have a bunch of guys on your list more with QB. So it's it's kind of fun to get a super flex because you can kind of dabble in, in, in a couple of different guys that you like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting to come around to it and, uh, and start pushing that in some of the other leagues. Maybe just for some consideration. Well, Whisper Nation, let us know about your Superflex League. Let us know about how you prefer to go about these drafts when you got two quarterback slots that you got to fill. Do you go early? Do you go late? Do you do it as a value-based? And there's no point in reaching at all. Just grab the best value always. What's your strategy? Let us know. Love to hear about it. Yeah. Johnny, is there anything holding us back from getting this draft started now? No, let's let's get it going. Let's I think you uh, waited up. long enough. So it's another week. It's a new one here. Johnny, has your opinion changed at all on who should be going at the top of the draft board? Maybe not just 1-1, one, one, but in the top tier of selections. Um, no, actually, I, I think that I it's still, well, I, I should say JT is an interesting one, right? Uh, Jonathan Taylor, that one's mm. always been a question of all of our shows. Mm. And then I think the biggest, I mean, we talk about free agency moves, but kind of a head scratcher and like it was funny because Travis and I were talking about it when it happened uh Travis was actually in disbelief but when Marlon Mack uh got re-signed by the Colts mm. uh that was kind of like a little bit of a head scratcher and a, and a low blow to fantasy owners uh because <laughs> we thought he was out the door man we thought it was just it was gonna be the JT and you know Naheem Hines would be as well sprinkled in there but but man to have to have Marlon Mack come back uh, that certainly puts a damper on him being a top three back uh, as far as drafting, right? Like, I still think that there's a, a reality Marlon Mack doesn't come back to full health. Um, that is a chance, but... Let me ask you about this with Jonathan Taylor, because Jonathan Taylor to me is like the sexy mystery box that's now emerging as... as I mean, he's, he's a leg up of last year's CEH. I mean, last year's CEH, it was the first running back off the board who we didn't think he was the most talented prospect coming to the draft, but he was the first running back selected, and CEH was always a talented guy coming out of college. And he went to the Kansas City Chiefs. So he had a lot of excitement. They knew we were going to stack that box. And it was a little bit of that mystery box flavor, right? Like, he could be so much. He could be so good. Is Jonathan Taylor actually that much better than a Dalvin Cook or a Christian McCaffrey? Or are we really just getting excited by the unknown? Are we getting excited by the mystery box nature of it? 
And the quote I always like to say, it's like, oh my God, Dalvin Cook is a locked-in elite RB1. But Jonathan Taylor is a mystery box. He just might be an elite locked-in RB1. It's like, but but shouldn't, but shouldn't you go I, to the... I think that's a great take. I think that's a great take. I don't know if I stole Johnny's question there, but I think that's a great take, uh, Austin, to like kind of look at it. That's where that you're basically drafting him at excitement right now. Um, we saw what he did to close out the year. We know he was like over the last four weeks was the best running back in football and in fantasy football. So we know like he can hit that ceiling. And I just, I equated a little bit to Derrick Henry who a couple years ago had a great closeout to the year. And the following year, we rode that momentum, drafting him high, and he paid off by becoming the elite running back in the first round that we wanted him to be. Mm. What's good about Taylor is Taylor can catch the ball. He dropped one ball last year. Um, and, and for all the knock that he hadn't caught a lot of balls in college, he came in and really caught you know 95% of his passes. So that's something to keep an eye on, not something that's a big part of Derrick Henry's game uh, for comparison's sake. But I do, I do think that Jonathan Taylor is the mystery box, as Austin so astutely put, because he could really hit a ceiling of number one overall, and we would not be surprised. Mm -mm. But then you say, should you really take Jonathan Taylor over a Nick Chubb? You know, when right. it comes down to it, like if, if if Jonathan Taylor performed metrically as good as Nick Chubb has for the last three years, and you draft Jonathan Taylor, you're pretty stoked, right? But I think yeah. it's this idea that Jonathan Taylor is going to be Nick Chubb plus. Well, and I think that this is where we can kind of revert to the whole go with your guy, because I really feel like there is a very good argument that, you know, the top top six guys that went off the board here, top seven, because Nick Chubb will include that. And then, I mean, you can even go down to Ezekiel Elliott and Aaron Jones. You wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys finished as the number one overall running back. So when you have an ability like that, then yeah. it's like, okay, go with your favorite guy. Go with your favorite, the one that you really enjoy watching and that and that you're really rooting for because at that point, that's what's going to bring you. Mm. This is a game after all, and, we, and it needs to, you have to be excited about it. I mean, we can all have our, our particular guy that we think, you know, could emerge from there. And there will be obviously guys that didn't, don't meet expectations. And we can talk about what, you know, what factors those might be. But realistically, like, as of right now, we could all make an argument that the top, you know, nine running backs could finish as the top RB. Yeah, that's a really good point, Johnny. And I'm really glad that you brought up that component of going with your guy. I have to remind myself that every year, you know, do your research, right? Listen to the Fantasy Whispers, buy the draft kit, get the extra knowledge to separate you from the field and develop your own tiers. And then when you're making your actual selection, though, if it's a hairline difference between a guy on your favorite team and a guy maybe who's predicted just slightly better and plays for a team you can't stand watching, I'd say do yourself a favor and ignore that hairline difference and grab the guy that you want because if your prediction is just slightly off and the guy that you love is actually the superior back in the end of it all – you're really going to have a better time. You're not going to enjoy selecting the guy you thought would be better on the team you hate watching actually underperform and the guy that you love just went off. But in reverse, you're still going to appreciate it. Like if you end up going with the guy you love and he doesn't pop off, you're still excited to watch your team, your team play and your favorite player on your own squad. And there's so many moves. You just need to stay active and energized. And I think having guys that you are genuinely you love watching and, and connecting with are just going to keep you involved in your league and maybe make you pay a little bit more attention to the waiver wire, or take a trade a little bit more seriously to give you an edge. 
I love that. And it actually makes me think of Johnny last year in our, in our league of record, you know, Johnny decided yeah. he was going to go, go for his gut and, and play to get guys that he knew he would have fun watching. And is it any coincidence that Johnny went the deepest he's ever gone in the playoffs? Probably coincidence, but I think, that, <laughs> I think that it's a, it's an awesome story. I think that it, it, you know, like you, you, you actually went with your gut on something in our league of record and it paid off in a big way. And, you know, you came up just short not to bring up an old wound there, but like that's an awesome, you know, feat to hang your hat on. I had fun watching fantasy football and I played really well, mm -hmm. uh, you know, metrically. So that's a great point. And I don't want to put game time here into the spotlight, but it is to give him praise on this one. And, you know, Johnny, like there's the inside joke that goes on of like how incredible of a data analysis you are and helping other people with their own teams. But the joke has always been in our league of record that you're better at putting other people's teams together than you have been at putting your own team together. And I think so much of that comes to the point that Travis just highlighted with you in that you do this insane breakdown and know where the whole field lies. you got research going back for years. It's, it's ridiculous. It's wild. And then, though, from your own decisions, it's like making those hairline choices that you've done the deep analysis for. And it's, it's in some ways set you back. And then this year, you still did all that knowledge, but you made your selections a little bit differently and you've had more success than you've ever had in our league of record like your team not only performed but it was scary and it was dominant and it was nimble and it kept evolving and yeah you were the you were the case to study last year and it was cool because you did have such a tangible switch in your strategy yeah it's it was interesting because coming in i almost wanted because i wanted to challenge myself right and that's kind of when it, it you kind of really have fun with fantasy football because you 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 start to try to understand it and from different perspectives and realize you know different ways that you can take advantage of the game within the game right there's a bunch of tactics that you can you can play and it's fun when you start realizing what some of those tactics can be and how you can use them and then how like you know you can get yourself out of certain situations when you start you know looking at the data and stuff but you know, it always goes back to having fun with your players because if they if you if if they don't perform, then you know that at least you put all that re research and stuff like it should work out. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, and that happens, and you're more accepting of it. That was I don't why, want okay. to sound like the soccer dad, but it's like you know we don't always just play to win. You know, we're playing to actually have fun with this thing. That's why we keep playing at least, you know, and we keep coming back to obviously Austin talked about the stories with the players. You know, we get we get behind those storylines and when those storylines are fun, when you get behind that and they're doing well, I mean, it's just a beautiful marriage. So it's just a reminder that like, yes, at the end of the day, you want to beat your friends and you want to win some cash if it's available, but you want to have some fun, man. And, and, uh, that's, that's why I keep playing. And I know that's why you guys are also keep playing. Too. Dude, and that's, I want to piggyback there off of Johnny's point of when you do all of this research and you make a pick, we say it all the time. You, you can lose on draft day. You can't win on draft day. Right. You have to keep it going. And if you've done all the research and you make predictions based on guys's role on the team, their spark outputs, whatever it is it's going to then be replaced with actual data. And if the actual data that's coming in doesn't line up with your predictions, you're going to know that you were off at that point in the beginning. And you're going to know that a pivot from what your strategy was is now called for. And you'll have more confidence in that pivot than you would be if you didn't know what's going on. It's not like, oh, I did all this data and this research 
and then the actuality was different than what I expected. It's like, no, 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 that's good. You have a, you had an understanding of what it could be and then it was different and you can make adjustments from that. And I think that helped separate Johnny last year with such a successful season. For sure. I mean, that my biggest case in point would be the DeAndre Swift and just sticking on that, right? Re- trusting in the research that I did, trusting in how good of a running back he is, knowing all of that, right? Uh, and just believing that eventually Matt Patricia should get his stuff together and realize that DeAndre Swift is the best running back they have, not Adrian Peterson. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to the full extent um, that it, it could have been, but still. It does. It makes fantasy football a lot more enjoyable when you're not just relying on the wins and losses. Because if you do, that can drive you to not like this game and not have a lot of fun. No, and you have you have to find other things that you enjoy outside of your own record in fantasy football because this game is an emotional beast and with big highs and really big lows. So you got to find other things to help anchor yourself too. Um, and one of those is the players. And we've now gotten three and a half rounds through after Big Travi just took Allen Robinson in the fourth. For our audio-only listeners, I want to get in a recap up to this point just before we get too far down the list. So we started off the draft at the 1-1 spot with Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley to follow. Game time selected Christian McCaffrey and then Alvin Kamara off the board, followed by Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, Devontae Adams, Nick Chubb, Tyreek Hill, Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, Patrick Mahomes to close out the first. Second began with Patrick Mahomes' tight end, Travis Kelsey, then Josh Allen, Josh Jacobs, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Mixon, Cam Akers, D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Miles Sanders, and DeAndre Swift closed out the second round. The third began with Jacksonville running back James Robinson, Austin Eckler, Antonio Gibson, Clyde edwards Lair, Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson, Chris Carson, Julio Jones, George Kittle, Calvin Ridley in the third round ended with David Montgomery. I started the fourth here with Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt off the board, Kenny Galladay, Lamar Jackson, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, quarterback Kyler Murray was taken off the board, and Johnny Gametime Hicks just picked Najee Harris to close out his fourth round selection. Then Kenyon Drake, Adam Thielen rounded out the fourth round. That's four rounds in. We got 13 here to go. Uh, And if you're tuning in on YouTube, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button to get the notifications coming your way. We do our mock drafts pretty much every single Monday, and we will be leading this up to the mock draft marathon, our signature event in August. Travi, Johnny, I wanted to ask now, we have done these for a couple of months. We're starting to see the ADP shift. How do you feel like the ADP is stacking up right now in terms of what it will be in a couple of months in August? Is it is it kind of fair right now? Is it still really off? What's do you have a strong opinion about that as of now, Travis? Um, I think there's some things I'd like to see shake out. I think I, I wonder if Taylor or Jonathan Taylor, we talked about at the top of the show, falls a little bit just because of the Marlon Mack signing. I wonder if that will settle into something, you know, more later first round. Maybe I'm hoping for that as well. Uh, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott's another interesting case. Aaron yes. Jones, both of those guys at the end of the first round. I, I'm, I'm very interested to see as we see Dak Prescott's health, as we see what the Packers do on offense in the draft, how that's going to shake out as far as ADP is concerned. Um, so there are some things that I am keeping a close eye on, but I think for the most part, you know, I thought that maybe those running backs, the cluster of, of second year guys that are at the end of the second might push more up to the top of the mm. second. 
Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know. You know, we we still need to get those puff pieces that are famous in the offseason. Like, oh, this guy busted off a run in training camp. You know, no, he looks so great. You know, <laughs> guys are making one handed catches and then they're training camp all stars now. So we still got a lot of that <laughs> stuff to happen. Um, but I think that uh, they're stoics, like dude. Their stoics are going yeah, go to go to the moon. To the moon. Dude. <laughs> it's funny. Bring that up. Um there we talked last year when the COVID offseason was kicking in and we didn't have as many examples to take a look at and we go back to other years and i'm thinking of some standout camp performers and sometimes it's just hogwash and it's silliness but sometimes like darren waller or tyreek hill i know you and i remember that one personally travi like sometimes those camp success stories are actually origin stories of a pretty impressive career as well it's it's right and and when then the difference between the training camp and i know what you're talking about with tyree kill and actual preseason action right when we see a preseason game that's actually a little bit even more of a putt like a even more tasty nugget than the uh the training camp stuff because you're actually seeing them in live action now it's not as good as regular season but it is you know something that you really like so i think that tyree kill one all the time his excitement his voice how pumped (laughs) he gets from seeing those nuggets yeah well i mean i like i you know, we didn't get that last year, right? And we were wondering yeah. up until, I don't know, maybe a week or two before the season, if we'd have a regular season. They canceled yeah. preseason. And so we're going to, you know, the NFL's got a, a market, uh, the, a research, uh, you know, example by last year of what to do with this, you know, pandemic. And we're getting in, in better ways in that as a, as, as a world right now, hopefully. So that well, being said, I think that the preseason, getting preseason this year is going to be a, another advantage that we used to have, you know, just a year and a half ago or two years ago. Well, let me ask you guys this, because the NFL is going to an 18 game season. And so therefore they're knocking 17, off. It's 17. Or, yeah. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Seven. Yeah. It'll be an 18 week, but 17 game. Yeah. Right. So. Are they're knocking off what one or two preseason games? So do you think that, you know, teams will play their starters at all in the preseason games? Yeah, I think what we'll get is instead of the weeks one and two of preseason where it's barely any playing time, we're going to get those two weeks that we get are going to be more like weeks three and four in the preseason has been in the past where they're tuning up the starters in three and then we're going half uh, half snaps in, in, in four. That's what I would imagine happens um, or some balance of the both of them, but. It's a good question. I think that what I've heard the commentary from veteran starters is that it does take a little bit of real game practice to get in the swing of what's going on. And you can make up for that distance in the early season. You know, Tom Brady, we were calling the Bucks a, a picturesque first round exit there for a while, or at least I was internally. And veterans understand you develop over the course of the season and it's all about getting right and getting healthy at the right time. So you can use those initial games as a little bit of a a training period, but I don't think anybody really wants to. And I think you'll end up seeing just that last game or that second to last game. It's only even two. Like they'll just take one game and they'll play a full half, maybe three quarters. And I think that no matter where it's at, if even if you had just had one preseason game, you would always end up seeing your starters play at least a full half. They'll just, that practice is too valuable. 
Austin, I wanted to ask you, uh, your, your strategy, well, I guess you've already kind of shown it, but what was your strategy coming into the Superflex? We've got um, the Cats Pajamas saying, last year was my first time playing in a Superflex league, and I played in all th in three of them. I found it's a better way, uh, or it's better to go way early on QB, which is something you just did, Austin. You were the first uh, team to take a QB off the board. Was that going to be your strategy no matter what, taking that end? Uh yeah, it wasn't going to be, I wasn't, I was willing to do it. Oftentimes, you know, when you're at the end of a draft, you got to zig when everyone else zags. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't playing second fiddle with my team. I didn't want to have a less shiny version of Johnny's team, you know, where I took a, a less attractive running back than a Christian McCaffrey just to try to keep pace. So I saw Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey as true, two true elites that I had access to. And I was just looking at the other players and I was like, you know, I, I don't dislike anybody there in the second round, but the people who were standing out, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, even like Miles Sanders to me, I don't know if I love them that much more than David Montgomery or Melvin Gordon, where I was able to get my running backs there in the third and fourth round. And so because of that availability, that's why I chose to top heavy it a little bit with a Kev Travis Kelsey and a Patrick Mahomes and just kind of waiting to see what value and caliber of players were available to me when it got to the end of the round. Big payoff there, I think, in, in rounds three and four with Montgomery and Gordon to just be there for you. Mm. I, I had to double take. I, I would have taken Montgomery over Carson. I guess I just didn't look at the players correctly, um, and I, I missed him. Love that. Yeah. And and Austin scooped him up, dude. I know, dude. Just the fuck right kind of going the at the end, right? Sometimes like my, my strategy usually at the ends is like grab the guy that fell and then reach for the next guy you want. Because yeah. it's gonna be 24 picks till you get one. I, right. I like drafting yeah. at the cap ends. Yeah, Tra Travis won't. Travis won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like drafting the middle too. I think I think you can do the best value-based draft going in the middle. And I might like drafting at the end, but my most successful teams have always been the ones I draft in the middle in. Yeah, it's like it's good in theory, you think, but then you get there and you're like, oh, I ended up, well, especially in some of the leagues we play in together, it's like some of the guys just, they go for their guys. And then you're sitting there going like, I really thought I could wait on this guy and he's not there. So. Or on the other side, when you when you are reaching for your dude, I'm like, all right, I'm going to grab a guy here at the start of the fourth that's projected in the middle of the fifth, but I really believe in him and he's not coming back to me. You're stringing a lot of belief on a guy, right? Like if you yeah. keep playing a value-based draft, and guys pass on proven performers because they have belief in somebody else, their belief is your advantage because beliefs are, you know, we believe in wild things. Uh, just take a look through human history. So fantasy football is zero exception to that. So let everybody go off. If you, I'm watching the documentary <laughs> on Netflix right now, Into the Storm, and people, people love to go into that storm with some shoddy running backs or some weird wide receivers that they just have a hankering for. And uh, yeah, let their hang hey, be and, your and, best. Yes, and unfortunately, sometimes it works out for those people, and then they they feel like they're you know proven right by their tactics. And they're proven right, and then the next year they go and draft Rashad Penny in the fifth round because they're just feeling themselves on that one. So it happens. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> You're actually, I always draft a robust RB. I'm talking. I'm not talking about you me. You always draft always a robust it. RB, or you always draft robust RB. A like, robust. You always RB. make sure you get somebody <laughs> like Monte Ball, or or I, I I don't think I did draft Ball. Um, I mean, I have had. I did. Too. I was a Ronnie believer Hillman? in Rashad. I I was a believer in Rashad Penny. 
And that was not a good penny to 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 line, <laughs> line myself with. But hey, you you win some, you lose some. Is I, I can't be a hundred percent. No, you can't. You can't be a hundred percent. Not in this game. Not in professional uh, gambling either. Um, there's a just just not possible. That's why it's gambling. Let's see. <laughs> That's why it's... What do you guys think about the wide receiver situation in Miami? They got Will Fuller that's over there now. We've got Devontae Parker, who's doing his weird Devontae Parker thing all the time. Two is now the quarterback. What are you expecting out of Miami this year from the pass-catching perspective? It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Tua should be capable of doing it. It looks like the Dolphins are ready to keep going with Tua, the way they've traded picks mm-hmm. out, the way they've uh, invested in the in the weapons around him. Love it. Uh, it it's Tua time, it seems to be. Um, I think Parker is probably set up the best to retain the value that he has. Um, he's turned way more into a possession wide receiver than any kind of deep threat that Will Fuller is going to be. So I don't think that Will Fuller comes in and takes really much of anything from Devonte Parker's game. And then there's this, you know, mystery box to steal your term, Austin, with Will Fuller, because mm. now we get to say, okay, what's the possibility here? We probably get him at a pretty big discount because he's going to Tua, he's going to Miami, and he's never stayed healthy. So you've got all these factors that work into Fuller's, uh, you know, baked into his ADP. I'm kind of excited. I'd like to see some training camp stuff to see chemistry uh, between Tua and Will Fuller. But if if Fuller can just, or if if Tua can just handle the deep ball to Fuller, we've seen. Will Fuller basically tilt the field and tilt fantasy football matchups his whole career when healthy and went on the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is Tua ever going to be that guy who like opens it up, or is he more of a like a modern game manager, Johnny? What's what's your take on Tua? Because I remember you talking how accurate he was and how intelligent he was, and now that we've seen a little bit of action from him, has that changed at all? What do you think he's going to do for the Dolphins and fantasy next year? I think I think he could do big things now. Like, do I think he could be the number one overall quarterback? Uh, I don't. I don't see that. Um, but I like the moves that the Dolphins are making. We'll see if they add another running back. Um, you know, in the draft, if if they get a big splash there. But uh, I love the Will big uh, the Will Fuller uh, uh, move. If you look at what Miami had, they didn't have that last year. Like. They wanted to have that, but they were having to use Mike Jacecki as that like deep guy. And it's like, let's be honest, like I, we all love Mike Jacecki and he's super athletic, but he shouldn't be your deep guy. Now they went out and got an actual deep guy in Will Fuller, who like is used to catching big bombs and making big plays. And that's going to open up the field so much for guys like Devontae Parker. Uh, they can't mm. double team him. And he is like, that's the thing is like they were also using him on a lot of deep routes. But like, cause he is fast, but like, he's a big bodied wide receiver. Let's bully. Like you can bully those cornerbacks and he has the ability to dang it. I was really hoping CD lamb was going to fall to me and my team was going to be so dynamite. Um, anyway, getting back to, to, a, I, I he, has, he, he has, he has, ext- he's really accurate. He's really fun to watch. Uh, he has that scramble ability. I think Tua could be a very nice, uh, you know, flex play. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a guy you pick up. Maybe you don't draft, you know, in your in your draft in like a, a standard twelve team league, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. he could be a guy that you end up picking up off of waivers, and he ends up being a nice fill in for quite a few weeks, or or you know, ends up being a weekly starter because he has the weapons now to sustain. Yeah. He just has to take the the jump 
uh, from, you know, a rookie quarterback to a second year. And, and we'll see if he can do that. That's a big question, but I think he can. Speaking of fill-ins and the NFC East, Travis, I wanted to ask you about the New England Patriots, the AFC East, excuse me. And Damian Harris was just taken by the cat pajamas. And I made the mistake last year of picking up Damian Harris and Sony Michelle, thinking I had a pretty solid RB2. And hey, you, I kind of actually did. One over the other of them got you like nine or 10 points most weeks. But you and I talked about this specific dynamic, and it helped me come to the conclusion that volume is important, but explosive volume is really what you want. And why Kareem Hunt Harris, even though Damian Harris might be getting more volume, but the explosive volume Kareem Hunt gets is more opportunistic from a fantasy lens. So I wanted to just ask you kind of about the Patriots in general. We saw him do, I think, some pretty Bill Belichick-esque moves, and I don't even hate him, with Joe New Smith and Hunter Henry trying to go back to that stacked tight end combo and the Island of Misfit Toys at the wide receiver position. They just brought over Nelson Aguilar. They were dealing with Darius Bird and Nikhil Harry and the sad story that is and all the things going on there. I don't think any of us are super stoked from a fantasy perspective. Are you? Do you disagree with that? And then what do you think about from an NFL side? Is this back to Bellatrix? Is there any any meat on the bone over there in New England this year, Travi? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, Austin, with the running back room. I mean, it's always been one that keeps four guys in there. Um, Johnny, maybe you know this. Do we have a status on Rex Burkhead with them? Like, did they resign Rex? Oh, Mr. Birkenstock. Um, um, that would just I, be interesting to monitor. They did resign James White. Um, so we're going to have the James White, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle combo, and then we'll have to see what they do in the draft. I do think that some of these moves could really benefit the running game, right? We're talking about two tight ends that they brought in. Um, I think they went and got the uh, offensive lineman back from the Raiders. So you've got some other pieces here that they're trying to get the running game going. They're committing to cam again, uh, which means that tells you they're going to be a run heavy team again. Yeah. So yeah, I think a mix and match RB2 whoa, whoa, situation. Whoa, whoa. Uh, like that you said, uh, Austin, that you got out of them with a little bit more upside this year is actually possible out of that backfield because if the linemen and the uh, and the tight ends work for them, uh, you could be seeing some some improvement in the run game for the Patriots. I think, I think, I think Cam Cam. We have to realize how much Cam threw last year. Like Cam threw the ball quite off quite a bit uh, more than you think. Actually, I have the I actually have the stats right here. Um, Randomly, I didn't know how much I think that he threw. Well, That's you said problem. you just you were saying that you thought that they were going to be a run heavy team. They are a run heavy team. I don't well, care I think that the, they're a run heavy team. I think that the moves though that they made would indicate that they understood what Cam needed to be a successful at throwing, and that they can't be a run heavy team because it doesn't work. Um, and so they went out and got pieces that like a Hunter Henry, like a Joe Smith, um, like a Nelson Aguilar who can create separation and you're going to see them actually be more successful throwing the ball this year. And, um, I mean, it's, it's not to take away that and say that, you know, they're not going to run the ball at all. Um, you know, I'm not trying to say that. But to and and to Travis's point, like they have a lot of running backs. I don't know if I want a part of that situation. Like they were even rumored to be going after Uncle Lenny, even though they had all those toys. Uh, they still wanted Uncle Lenny. So that scares me right there. But I, I, I do think Damian Harris, he does show something differently and something more special than some of these other running backs. But, yeah, I think it's I think it's a situation I'm just going to stay away from, to be honest with you. 
I'm staying away from the Patriots too. It's it, and if they had gone to Leonard Fournette, that actually would have gotten me a little bit excited because I'd be like, maybe they have a guy who can break through and really own that running back spot. As of now, they don't. I think they have Damian Harris, who's the best of the bunch. He'll get 12 touches. He'll do good four and a half yards per carry with those. Get you 50 yards and you know five or six touchdowns to close out the year which is going to be good enough when you need a desperation start, but you're really not going to be super excited about it most of the season. I, too, will be avoiding the Patriots. It's a better bet to make than most. Bet on the Patriots for real football. Avoid them in fantasy, and you're having more times than you're not. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, oh, dang it, Austin. Three quarterbacks over here is really unbelievable. Really messing me up, man. I love Jalen Hurts this year from a fantasy perspective. I hope he stays yeah. lower down in the ADPs. I think I he also, deserves to be way higher, though, and I think someone's going to get high on the hype. Hold on. I, I don't understand what the Eagles are doing. Like what They they are the ultimate case of they just got in extremely lucky that everyone was like, you guys are, are dumb and trying to like get another quarterback in there, and they did them a favor. And not and not allowing them to like. I guess they were. I mean, other teams could have been like, "Oh, we will let them make that mistake." They have an awesome quarterback in Jalen Hurts, but if you want to trade up for another quarterback, be my guess. But I think like they really got lucky, and that that move didn't happen because I'm with you, Austin. Like this guy's exciting. He's electrifying. I don't. I get it. He's not traditional um, in the sense of like what. Philadelphia is used to and you know their pure drop back I mean Donovan McNabb he was he did scramble but I mean we we need to get Philly Chelsea back on the on the show because she can tell you she'll tell you firsthand like they wanted him to be more of a drop back passer and like that was what they were doing they were they were having him drop back more and more and, and saying don't scramble as much and so I mean they did have Michael Vick I guess so there goes that theory so I don't <laughs> <laughs> Some things just, but I'm I'm just saying I don't understand what their what their problem is with Jalen Hurts. Why don't they see the beauty that they have in Jalen Hurts? I think some people definitely do, right? But then the question no. of of they're torn in some regards. Maybe that's coming from a variable we in the public don't have access to. Maybe there's something going on behind the scenes. Maybe they do want more of a statuesque, standard, traditional quarterback. I don't know why you would when he's got two 300-yard games and two, three, four, five games last year, and that last one he didn't even play. So uh, I, I'm, I'm just personally really excited for what Jalen Hurts brings. I don't think we totally know. It was such a small sample size last year. Maybe the coaches are concerned about something. But I think we talked earlier about which players we expect to be jumping up in ADP. I think it's somebody in your league is going to go way early on Jalen Hurts. The upside is just too tempting. And the mystery box appeal there is is just through the roof. Um, people are going to think that you've you've got you've got a Lamar Jackson mixed with a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you know who's a, a mix with Patrick Mahomes? This guy right here. Give me on the bandwagon, baby, Zach Wilson. Let's go. Good segue into the draft conversation we got coming up, Johnny. You're obviously excited about Zach Wilson. Um, are there, what players right now are you looking at the most? And then what players are maybe team dependent? We know the role that they end up having because of the team they land with can really change the course of fantasy trajectory. What, what are some, are there any players right now that you got a particular eye on or you hope they land in a specific spot? 
Um, well, I, Zach Wilson, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see just cause he's such an interesting prospect to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad I don't have the question. Like if it, it were the Cardinals and we had to make this pick, I would be sweating it. Cause then it's like a little bit more at risk, mm. but, but I'm just excited for the upside that, that Zach Wilson has shown. Um, Travis, and I were talking about, you know, his pro day before we went live and um, I'm just I want to go back and rewatch it or watch it. Um, but I, I'm just really excited. I have seen some tape on him. He he looks like he's really excited. You know, you know, once again, going back to what we were talking about at the top of the hour, you know, watching and, and seeing these players and finding that joy of, of being like, wow, this guy's a little bit different and he's really fun to watch and, and he's exciting to watch. And it's that mystery box. Right mm-hmm. um, now, granted, I will say like. I did screw this mock draft. I, I was doing so great. And then in this ninth round, I questioned, I was like, should I take Tom Brady or Jalen Hurts there? Um, and then I was like, oh, maybe I can maybe squeak out one more round before I draft a quarterback. That ended up like kind of screwing me. Um, but I wanted to talk about Zach Wilson on the show. So I was like, what the heck? I'll pull the trigger uh, and, and get him on because I know that uh, I'm a big fan. Travis is a big fan of him. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of these guys I'm, I'm really intrigued about, you know, top yeah. of the, you know, like the Jamar Chase and the a little bit because I want the hype to come down a little bit because I think the mm. people's hypes are, are way, way too high. Like my biggest gripe right now is Jamar, like Jamar Chase. Do I think he's going to be fantastic? I do, but I think we're a little bit too high on and, and realizing that, oh, um, because Justin Jefferson did so well last year, that automatically means that Jamar Chase is going to do well like that. It's like that history doesn't generally happen. Like Justin Jefferson put up a, a stat line that only Odell Beckham Jr. had ever done. Like that's the that's it. Those are the only two rookie wide receivers that have ever mm-hmm. done what mm-hmm. what happened. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I think a lot of people are are really hyped on that. At the same time, though, like and Austin said this the last couple of years too, uh, like the league is changing, and we're seeing the wide receivers have to get ready faster, almost, and have to adapt faster. And so that we mm-hmm. actually have seen rookies kind of bend that curve a little bit, that learning mm-hmm. curve a little bit, and kind of get uh, back into form or get to form quicker. So do they bend it like Beckham though? Jeffers, you met. <laughs> sorry, John. What'd you say? Do they bend <laughs> it like Beckham though? Yeah. <laughs> Odell Beckham, yeah. Um, no, but I think that you mentioned Jefferson, but also like T. Higgins, like was a guy that kind of broke out a little bit last year. And there were other flashes of guys. And I'm really excited for a lot of the second year guys. You know, as much flack as Jerry Judy got, he put up some impressive rookie numbers and did some impressive things. He should have a really nice second year, uh, depending on what happens in Denver. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things that are there. And ah, damn it, Austin. Taking Henry Ruggs. Dude, like Henry Austin Ruggs just, this year. Know, Hold on. Can, can we get, how is Austin in the 12th spot? And he's just sniping all these guys from us. This dude, is unbelievable. He manifested it, dude. He knew what And he then he gets Chubba Hubbard. Talk about another guy I'm really excited about seeing where he goes. Austin, that you're asking. Chubba yeah, Hubbard. Chuba. He is uh, Chuba. Yes, thank you. He is someone. There is a lot of uh, smoke around him saying that he might be a, a draft smoke around him. Yeah, he's like, choking it up or what? No, no, I'm just <laughs> no. Advantage he's just, of that I mean, it could be maybe. Policy. Yeah, maybe. Um, no, I'm just saying that there are a, a lot of NFL scouts and and rumors that uh, he actually might be like this year's Ceh surprise, like. Wow, he went as the first running back off the board. There are rumors it could be him. 
I'm excited to see if it is. Dude, and that's such an exciting thing about the draft coming up. Like everything changes. And I think it's a good thing to set the listeners up right now to know that we're just getting hyped on what we have available. That information is going to dramatically change as land as as soon as they land on a team. If they go to a team that has no running back ahead of them, like choo choo, pump that hype train up. If they go ahead and they land in a in a team that's got such an established guy ahead and maybe a backup, like you know, in a, in a, in a Minnesota situation or something like that, then you're like, mm, I'm really steering clear in a redraft league in this. So it's, I'm just excited to see what comes up guys that were really hyped on all of a sudden you might be pumping the brakes guys who you really aren't considering too much, find themselves in an ideal position. And you're now really bumping them up a few rounds in your draft board. And to your point earlier, Johnny, knowing what you're predicting before that new information comes in is so important to help you then see how far off your predictions are from the reality that ensues, which helps you make even better decisions in the moment. It's like mm-hmm. that Dwight D. Eisenhower quote, like plans are useless, but planning is everything. Like yeah. what you do on draft day might completely deviate from what you did planning to get to that moment. But that planning is what educated you on the entire board. And then when the reality sets in, you already have that understanding so detouring from the plan is actually what the smart thing to do would be because you put in the planning ahead of time. Yep, yep, 100%. It's a long way of saying like and subscribe to the Fantasy Whispers. Make sure you catch the daily content coming your way every day to keep you ahead of the rest, especially in your own league because it's fun to beat your friends. Fire, Guys, fire. We're coming to the end of our draft here at this mock draft, and I'm going to make my last pick here, but yeah. make sure you hang around because we'll do our infamous draft grades. Myself, Game Time, Big Track will break down hours. Let us know who did the best, and then we'll go and run through the rest of Whisper Nation's teams. You're going to get your boy Sammy Watkins there? He's available oh right God. there. <laughs> actually, I think Sammy Watkins could actually do some pretty exciting stuff over here. Uh, oh. Yeah, I do, oh. as I do always. And as I win this debate <laughs> with I you do. every year. So, <laughs> sure. Hey, week one. Hey, week one. He's going to be fire, bro. Week one. You won't, dude. You I won't started start him in our dynasty league last dude. year. Both last two years, I've benefited from that first week volcano hey, that you, Sammy Watkins you, is known hey, as. Hey, you won't do it again for the third year in a row, dude. You won't. I probably will, actually. And I will probably do well again. And I will probably make the championship for a third straight year. So, yeah, that'll be fun. And uh, we'll call right now. Yeah, I'll probably start Sammy Watkins. But I did get Brandon Ayuk this year too in, in that trade. So we'll have to we'll have to take another look. But uh, guys, we did it. We're here at the yeah, end. Monster Draft Whisper Nation. Thanks for hanging along here with us. Uh, I didn't get a chance to run down the rest of the picks. Please forgive me. I'll do better next time. But we'll get all the picks done now here on this side of it. Uh, so before you ask others to do it, you should do it yourself. I'll go ahead and lead off on my team here. Is that all good here? I'll start off with yeah, the last spot. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I was drafting in the 12th position, and I went with Patrick Mahomes, first QB off the board. It's a super flex league, so we got two QBs. I didn't see another elite option. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams were both gone. Um, Those are my two favorite wide receiver picks, and none of the running backs available really gave me that separation that I was looking for. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey both do, and I was just taking my chances that I'd have a voluminous running back or wide receiver available to me on the turn. And I am pleased to find out I was David Montgomery and Melvin Gordon. I like better this year than I did last year. Melvin Gordon doesn't have to deal with um, Philip Lindsay. 
anymore. He's gone. Melvin Gordon actually looked pretty good, and he is still just 27 years old, 215 pounds, six foot one running back. I like his chances. I think that Denver will be better this year too. And David Montgomery finally showed us what David Montgomery truthers have been hoping for since he was drafted. Such a touted prospect coming out in last year just to finish with as many 20-point games in fantasy as he did in PPR. I mean, heck, one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row of 20-plus points to close out the year, and you expect them to be just as good, maybe better than they were last year. It is the Bears, though, so you can never get your expectations too high. (laughs) Uh, But it is what it is. Moving on, I picked up Odell Beckham and DJ Sharks, my two top wide receivers. These are technical number ones that have upside but have had a down year last year, and they definitely have some question marks, which is why they were still available there in the fifth round. But I'm going for upside here, going for opportunity, um, which I expect both DJ Shark and Odell to have. Odell Beckham is a little bit more of the question marks. He might have Jarvis Landry eat into that number one role, which is why I just hedged my bet and picked him up there in the eighth. We saw Baker Mayfield and that Browns offense start gelling a little bit better at the end of the year. And similar to how we saw the Packers two years ago get uh, better, more on page with their quarterback and their coach, I think that their quarterback and their coach in Cleveland are going to gel better and we'll see a more efficient pass attack out of Cleveland this year, despite still being a run first team. I think you can see some more excitement coming up for the Browns. So I picked up Jarvis Landry there, Ronald Jones as well, just as another running back who – could have a real role on the Super Bowl champs if we'll see what happens with the rest of that backfield. Uh, Jalen Hurts is my second quarterback. I love the upside on that, especially the value position I got him in. Jerry Judy, second-year wide receiver, and Henry Rugg, second-year wide receiver, both with a lot of upside. And, you know, they could be faders. We'll see how they perform. But there's a real reason to think that they're going to take big jumps this year and be very valuable pieces to your fantasy football team. Chuba Herbert, as Johnny and Travis had mentioned, um, drafted my one and only rookie there in the 12th. And Jamison Crowder, who is just a slept-on performer every year, is going to be just – he's still just 27 years old, still expects to do his thing over there in New York. I like him as my fifth wide receiver or whatever that was. This to Austin, this team, like, it, if the Jalen Hurts thing hits, this team is going to wreck. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is just, like, ridiculously stacked at the top. And then I love what you did with the trio of running backs. Bas- basically, value running backs, but really hard-hitting value running backs as far as Dave Montgomery and what Ronald Jones can do when they give him volume. So, for me, I think this was perfectly built as a top-heavy team with huge upside in your super flex and big upside with uh, the running backs. And then, you know, you mentioned the upside with uh, Odell and DJ shark, like that's huge upside there in five and six, especially OBJ. I think OBJ is going to be even more of a discount than he was last year. And I think that might be the wrong line of, you know, group think that we're at with OBJ. And I think we're actually going to see OBJ kind of bounce back in a big way. And I thought, uh, I just really like this team. I think Thank it's put together. I, I saw this wild stat. Uh, I don't. I can't quote it exactly. I I love this team, by the way, Austin. Just FYI, I, I think this is actually one of your best teams, like you, it, that you've drafted because it's extremely high upside. But I think the the floor is um, very very high as well. But it was interesting, uh, and I had to I have to vet this because I don't know if it's true or not. But it said like Larry Fitzgerald over the last two years has had more top. 10 finishes than an OB, OBJ. I I have to I, I have to vet that, but that I wouldn't was... doubt it. I mean, he's been injured a lot of the last couple of years, so and Baker 
hasn't played exactly well. But um, yeah, we'll just see. I'm I'm excited to see that. That's right, just, gonna, it's just one of those weird weird things. I don't expect that to continue. I'm on the right. bandwagon that I think OBJ will bounce back and he is a value, but I just think it's one of those quirky things. I, I chuckled at when I read it. All right, I'm going to move on here and uh, take over the mic. I'm going to go. I went from the eighth position. I uh, took Nick Chubb. Wanted to stay running back heavy if I could, if the, if the draft allowed it. And so Nick Chubb was sitting there. Primetime mock came in a little late, so it auto-drafted Devontae Adams. I think I actually lucked out because I don't know if Chubb would have been there. Uh, got Chubb, then DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Carson to do an RB uh, you know, heavy build at the top three. Would you uh, have went Zeke there? Would you have went Zeke if, if Chubb was gone? maybe um it's an it's an interesting i don't i don't know i don't deal in uh hypotheticals though <laughs> so no i'm just kidding <laughs> i went with what i went with here chris carson um i really didn't see david montgomery there uh but i kudos to austin there because you know it fell down to him alan robinson i think with you know signing the franchise tender with andy dalton there i i think you know maybe he's not better than trubisky but he should still be able to get alan robinson the ball um and he should still see a a, a grip of targets i wanted russell wilson here but cat's pajamas took him a uh, three four picks uh before me uh, so I pivoted and went with Mark Andrews, knowing that I could probably wait on Dak Prescott, which is exactly what happened. I think people are still sleeping on Dak's uh, recovery, but I think Dak is just as poised as last year to just yeah. rip the ball as soon as he's back healthy. Um, and you're talking about a guy who's had six or more rushing touchdowns, I believe, in three <laughs> uh, in uh, three seasons. So Tyler Lockett, I think this is great value for Tyler Lockett. This is my third wide receiver. So I understand, you know, Johnny's very astutely pointed out that he's an up and down wide receiver that's fine for my wide receiver three i'll take the up and downness because he'll win me weeks at that position and then brandon cooks is now set up to be the only guy in town in houston we don't know what's going to happen with deshaun watson obviously but this is just you know banking on the 130 plus targets that brandon cooks should see uh next year and then zach moss i think is another guy that you know got injured late last year uh, Buffalo didn't run very well, but I think that Zach Moss is set up to be as long as Buffalo doesn't do anything in the draft, like draft one of the younger running backs high. Um, I think Zach Moss could set up to be the actually all around back in Buffalo. And if they commit to running more to try and help Josh Allen out, I think that it could be a valuable, especially in the ninth round. Wanted Ryan Tannehill, um, but he did not make it a couple more picks to me there. I thought that was a great pick by Jay Blizzy. So I went with Matt Stafford. Um, I was between Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz and uh, Cam Newton here, and I just wanted to point this out in the grades or, or in this time. Matt Stafford just seemed to be the guy surrounded by the most weapons of those three. And so yeah. I wanted to go with Matt Stafford, who's been known to air it out in his career, had the most weapons, and now is paired with the best play caller he's ever been with uh, in Sean McVay. So I'm really excited about what the Rams can do with Matt Stafford there. And then Daryl Henderson, just I think this is a, a value to pick up Henderson here in the 11th. I just like, you know, stacking guys in ambiguous backfields. I know we think it's Cam Akers. It probably should be Cam Akers. But should something happen, Daryl Henderson, I think, is a good pickup. Jalen Rager and then Noah Fant in the 13th, I thought, once again, was great value to get a guy that, you know, nearly broke out last year in really weird QB situation for Denver all year. So, um, yep, that's my team. Uh, I think, it, you know, not the sexiest team, but I think it's got some potential here for sure. And I definitely like that upside there. Like with Zach Moss and Daryl Henderson, these late-round running backs that you got, which could be – real players or also like easily droppable guys which is my preference i don't want guys that are like guys you feel bad about dropping and don't feel good about starting those are like you my should know by like week three or four exactly. like if you're good to cut the ties with them for sure 
Like I just, I, just like as a general statement, I, my least favorite fantasy players are the guys that I am not excited about starting and I don't like dropping. It's just like this, it's like this constipation. You're just like, oh, <laughs> it's the worst. And so I, right. I like how you put that up there. I have, I have, I have officially lost my draft appetite, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we, we just, what you just bared to witness was big Travis. Uh, he just said Sean McVay was the best OC, uh, that, that Matthew Stafford has ever had. And he failed to realize, uh, and give proper dues to, uh, Jim Bob Cooter. Okay. Now, so wait, how I dare say, you? Yeah, I you didn't did. say the you best. Did. I didn't well, say the best, the best named. I said no, the best play no. caller. I said I didn't yeah. say he was the best name. You. Now Jim How Bob Cooter did have the best name in all of uh, coordinator history, but I, I will mm. not give him the best play caller ability <laughs> over Sean McVay. Dude, I am so excited to say I to see Matt Stafford Jim. out of Detroit. Like Matt Stafford oh, is man. so much better than people realize. Detroit is oh, yeah. so much worse. A place, a black hole, a quicksand trap that people also realize. Tampa Bay's won more or the same amount of NFC North titles as Detroit has. Like Tampa Bay, like come the frick on. I can't wait to see what Matt Stafford is able to do in a in anywhere but Detroit. Me too. Stoked on that. All right, Johnny, bring us home here. I mean, I was going to ask Austin how he really felt, but uh, I'll I'll talk about my <laughs> I think team. Adam Gates is an improvement uh, over Detroit. That's how. That's <laughs> oh, how much. I, that's what I think. Wow. About Unbelievable. Just the mystique that's, of Detroit. That's cold I, I would actually. Dude. I could That's agree cool with blooded. that just because how, Adam how can you put that on there? Don't put Adam that juju on Detroit. Don't put that Adam juju Gieson. on Detroit. That's cold. Detroit is a whole entity. Detroit it's a whole cold. dark cloud. Dude, TJ Hawkinson's in that. TJ Hawkinson and my boy Swift. DeAndre Swift is in that. Hey, they're going to turn that around. Galladay got out. He's gone. Megatron left when he could have played. Like people Barry Sanders retired early. It's got hey. evil energy, Johnny. It's haunted. It's gross. <laughs> well, let's, people we go can to hope have their bone marrow leave hey. their body. We can hope the that they can Doom turn it around. We can hope that they can turn it around. Just like I hope that I would turn around the back half of this draft uh, <laughs> after a solid start. Um, nice. But it did not. I don't know. It was okay. Um, I was picking from the 103 pot, a spot. Uh, Christian McCaffrey fell to me. I was a-okay with that. I'll take him gladly. Um, and then I took AJ Brown in the uh, second round. So this was a little bit, I'll be honest. Uh, it was nice having the computer there because I could manipulate those picks because I know that the computer's just going to take like one of the top few selections of, of each position. So I kind of took advantage of that. And um, I knew that I wanted Antonio Gibson and I was thinking about taking him in the second but uh, I knew I could wait. So I took AJ Brown, got that target monster. Then I, uh, and kind of wide receiver anchor. And then I went Antonio Gibson, then Najee Harris in the fourth. I felt like uh, there was kind of a, a bigger cliff that fell off on running backs after that. So I wanted to make sure I could round up that group of, of running backs. And then I grabbed uh, Terry McLaurin in the fifth and Robert Woods in the sixth. I loved the, having those two wide receivers as uh, my second and third because they both show potential to be top 10 wide receivers in this league, um, as well as having a pretty safe floor of, of wide receiver twos. Um, and I'm really loving that Scary Terry got the Fitz magic in town. So uh, I think that he could have a dynamite season. Um, and then Chase Edmonds is a guy. His ADP still now 
again, what they do in the draft is going to be huge part. And then I expect after that, uh, you know, we were talking, Austin was asking a question about running back or values that we could sting. I think Chase Edmonds that we're going to see um, a lot uh, coming over the next, depending on what they do in the draft. And now to be the starting running back. Uh, and then TJ Hawkinson in the eighth, uh, despite their juju that they put on Detroit. Um, I love Hawkinson. Uh, and this is where my draft messed up because Devontae Park, uh, I love Devontae Parker, the good wide receiver. But my wide receivers were kind of set right then. I should have went with Hertz or Tom. I was at one of the guys, uh, but I was, you know, stick to what I was saying in the beginning of the show of being out on quarterback and I, I could get a little bit sneakier. I, you know, I, what's that whole, like got too good, two britches. Is that the saying? Uh, that's what happened in this draft. Cause I waited and then what happened? They both got taken. So as a result, I had to take Zach Wilson to a tug of Iloa and Cam Newton as my trio of quarterbacks. It could be a little struggle there. Uh, and then I grabbed Tony Pollard in the 13th. Um, I think it was an okay draft up until the quarterbacks. So then I kind of screwed. But what's that? Song I like the, the first half of my draft. What's that song that's like been on the TikTok trend and people are remembering those cringe moments in their past and it's like, it's going to get better. I swear it gets better. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about when I see your three quarterbacks, Johnny. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Like that song just played in my mind when that went off. I'm. I'm a little scared of the upside here. I'm a little scared on the. On the. Upside. I remember we got to round 13, and I was like looking at your trio there, and I'm like, okay, well, who was his first quarterback? And I looked up, and I just couldn't find that first quarterback. Like that was your three, um, mm. and I was just like, oh, okay. But I, I mean, I, yeah, you're going to have Tom Brady. If I have Tom Brady and then Tua, I, my quarterback situation is, or if I have Jalen Hurts and Tua, like my quarterback situation is great. But like right now, it is struggling and I need my boy Zach Wilson to come from, you know, deep. Dude, your first six rounds here, I think you like just really did such a great job of playing with the upside and the floor is, is, phenomenal there is where Najee Harris is your biggest wild card but you knew that coming in Christian McCaffrey AJ yeah. Brown and Antonio Gibson is such a stacked big three and um, all of those guys top five potential and then Terry McLaurin like you said with Fitzmagic coming in Robert Woods just Mr. Outperforms his ADP every single year always and he's 28 right now I dealing with Matt Stafford should be coming in I yeah I don't I don't hate this but the quarterback one does give me a little bit of pause, but TJ not a bad draft yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, the cat's pajamas. Who who wants to take them? I'll jump in. Austin, there. You want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, my favorite team name all time. The cat's pajamas started off with Alvin Kamara at the four spot. We heard from stepmom Lauren last week. That's her one one selection. Can't go wrong with Alvin Kamara. DK Metcalf in the second round. That's a that's a fun stack. And I think going out with Alvin Kamara, DK Metcalf after a game would be a fun time as well. Uh, CEH in the third. I really, I'm a big CEH fan this year. I think he's going to take a big jump up from the development side, and he still plays for the best offense in the NFL. I like that pick a lot there, especially in the third. Ooh, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, Shorty McQuicksters that he's got as his quarterbacks. That's a fun duo right there, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, both out of the NFC West. 
uh, both undersized, overperforming dudes. I think you're going to be happy with that selection. Raheem Mostert, for all the time he was in as the 49ers lead back, did really well. Um, I'm a big fan of Deontay Johnson this year also. I think he's going to step up and solidify his number one spot on that team. Damian Harris is a fallback halfback. It's not bad, uh, especially with how thin halfback was getting. He will be able to plug into a flex spot for you. Uh, Marquise Brown, it's still in a boomer bust situation. We still expect him to get better. But I think a lot of us are starting to ask is, what's the deal going on in Baltimore? You heard Des Bryant say, I was a part of that team. I can tell you the the wide receivers are a situation, or that's what he alluded to, that there's more issues going on over there um, than meets the eye. So maybe Marquise Brown is going to pop off. Maybe Marquise Brown is just not the answer. Maybe Lamar Jackson's the problem. Who knows? We'll find out more information. It helps us come up with more conclusions. Joe Burrow is his third quarterback here. I really like that, actually. His third one, Debo Samuel, Corey Davis, Tyler Higbee. I like this team in the Cats pajamas. I look at his starters, Alvin Kamara, CEH. Good. I look at his starters from the wide receiver spot of DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, and then Marquise Brown or Debo Samuel or Corey Davis. It's not bad. It gets a little slower on the end, but it's not bad. Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are great options. And Tyler Higby's okay. It's fine. I I think this is a pretty good team. I think it's got some room for improvement, but I would expect this team to probably compete for a playoff spot. I'd give this team a, a B. Yeah, I think the quarterbacks stack yeah. with the upside of CEH, A, Alvin Kamara, and DK, like that, the, those first team. five picks are ridiculously high upside. Like that, that team could just wreck you on the quarterback duo alone. And then you've got some great upside with Kamara and Metcalf. And then if CEH can bounce back out, I, I love the B grade yeah. here. I think that's the right spot. The bench is, could, could do a little bit better, but that's all right. He can start yeah. a great team here. Oh, that's a good one. All right, I'll go with the fantasy football therapist. Just want to thank him again. He's always been in these drafts with us, especially we started doing this in February, man. He's been in there with yeah. a lot of Whisper Nation just helping us out. Appreciate that. Got Jonathan Taylor at the 1-5. We talked about the excitement of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, another second-year guy in Cam Akers with the second round. Uh, then Stephon Diggs and Keenan Allen. Love those two wide receivers. Darren Waller in the fifth. T. Higgins, super excited about another year with Joe Burrow with T. Higgins and no more A.J. Green. So how what kind of vacated targets that could mean uh, for T. Higgins and volume there. Justin Herbert is his first quarterback. Then C.D. Lamb, uh, the bane of Johnny's existence mm. in this draft has yeah. been C.D. Lamb being taken right there before him. Tom Brady, also another one that Johnny probably wishes he had. Uh, Mike Davis, A.J. Dillon, Gus Edwards, and J.D. McKissick. I love the 10, 11, and 12 picks here for a team just trying to stack some lottery tickets at running back. Mike Davis, vastly underrated uh, running back here in the NFL, always just has been uh, gotten the job done. A.J. Dillon, should anything happen to Aaron Jones? And then Gus Edwards, who is just another underrated guy. So for me, this is another B team. I don't mean to just copy the grade here uh, from Austin, but I think this team is well put together from top to bottom. I don't have anything that really scares me. Maybe the quarterback position, you could be a little bit scared of Justin Herbert taking a step back, but Tom Brady's consistency at the end of the year, especially the way he picked it up with that team and then another year under his belt uh, to do it. I'm not going to doubt Tom Brady ever again. Uh, I would stop doing that a couple years ago. So uh, I I like this team. I think it's a B squad. I think fantasy football therapist does what he does. Yep. All right. I will take primetime mock. Here, drafting at the 107 spot. Uh, 
Wait, Austin, or yeah, Travis, you you gave the the grade, right? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, Devonte Adams with the one hundred seven. Asked Travis if you would have taken Devonte Adams uh, or uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He refused to answer. Um, maybe on another <laughs> mock, we'll find out. But uh, and then on this one, we got J.K. Dobbins second round. Then you took Justin Jefferson in the third round. I like that value a lot. Uh, Chris Godwin in the fourth. DJ Moore in the fifth. Then back to back quarterbacks here in the sixth and seventh with Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan. And then in the eighth, De- uh, Devin Singletary, followed by Dallas Goddard in ninth uh, tight, end, tight end spot there. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's kind of holding up Goddard's value uh, with Zach Ertz still on the roster and question marks there. But then we have Carson uh, in the tenth spot, or sorry, excuse me, tenth round. And then Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, and Salvin Achman, uh in the 13th. So we had a couple of rookie running backs. Not sure those guys are going to land. And then uh, Miami running back. Overall, I love the wide receivers here. I think the quarterback's pretty solid. I even think the tight end's pretty solid. There's some upside there. I am very worried about these running backs. Um, Devin Singletary, I, that honestly, I, I hope I, I, I hope I don't offend anybody with this, but I'm going to say, I, I feel like Devin Singletary right now is like the Titanic, bro. Like it's going down and you guys got to get on one of those live support boats and, and row away from that boat. Uh, because I don't think it's, I, I don't know how much longer he has, uh, for the bills. Um, so it, it concerns me that that's his RB two. I'm concerned that JK Dobbins is his RB one. I think that JK Dobbins get a little bit, um, too much hype in this off season. Um, and what his true potential, uh, is, I think is a little bit more cap than people think it is with Lamar there. Uh, and then also with them bringing back Gus Edwards. Uh, so my big question mark would be at the running back position. I overall, I would give this, I think a, a B plus though. B, I know a B. I'd give it a B. Yeah, I'm concerned about those running backs there too. With just there's not one mainstay. Love what J.K. Dobbins is about, but as Travis put, with Gus Edwards still over there and the play style of the Baltimore Ravens and John Harbaugh, I'm a little concerned about the volume that's coming towards the running back position. And then the quarterback position. Love Aaron Rodgers. Not in love with Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz this year, and, and not in love with where they selected them either. And Dallas Goddard, I love the upside. I love the specimen. I love that Ertz is likely out of the or Ertz is gone. But I think that we need to understand if Jalen Hurts is going to feed the ball uh, to Dallas Goddard, if that's going to be a guy he goes to, you know. So we don't really know that. There's a bit of an unknown there. I think this mm-hmm. team is actually more of a C for me. The wide receivers are stacked. I love them. Uh, but I don't know if the running backs are going to be enough to carry you through. And then, as Austin said, it's Aaron Rodgers and kind of everybody else. Maybe he'll mix and match. Ryan and Wentz when to start him. Uh, but I think those the running back depth just scares the hell out of me on this team for sure. Let me leave you guys with this one question. If he if he takes Nick Chubb instead of Devontae Adams in the first round, are you chain what would you give it then? Yeah, I think it's closer to a B then for me, yeah. obviously, yeah. because then you can start both Dobbins and, and Chubb and Nick and Chubb, and that's you've, got, you've nice. got the wide receivers. Like yeah. not saying your team doesn't need Devontae Adams, but uh in that case it, you know it would probably wouldn't. So uh yeah. yeah. Then you're not benching DJ Moore because you're benching right, one of right. these guys right now as right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. 
And that's a great part of mocking around, right, is you get to see sometimes of where just those rosterable positions end up stacking. And, yeah, you want to go with value, but you also got to start a full roster. Yep. So, Austin oh, J. Right. Blizzy, our, no, Whisper our Nation champ. Whisper Nation champ coming in. has had a lot of impressive drafts. Let's go ahead and break this one down. At the 11 spot, he took Aaron Jones. Can't go wrong with Aaron Jones. Talented man, got his role on the team, just inked him up to four more years. Josh Allen is the second quarterback off the board there. He took in the second round. Like Josh Allen, don't love the spot you selected him, but it's not my team. Calvin Ridley was in the third as your number one wide receiver. Then Kareem Hunt is your number two running back. Deshaun Watson there in the fifth. We'll see what happens to his life. Brandon Ayuk, Will Fuller, and Tyler Boyd there, sixth, seventh, and eighth round for your second, third, and fourth wide receivers. Good ones there. Ryan Tannehill is your third quarterback. Safe play there. Chase Claypool, second year Pittsburgh wide receiver. And Neam Hines and Jordan Howard is a little bit more depth. And Jared Cook as your tight end there in the 13th. Gabe Lizzie is one of the best drafters that we have in Whisper Nation. And he won our Whisper Nation League. And he experiments with a lot of teams. That's my way of, of prepping my harsher grade because I don't think this is just one of the best drafts he's taken on. He did auto peck though, through it. So that might have... Something to do with it. When I break it down and look at the starting running backs, Aaron Jones, it's great. Kareem Hunt, though, it's not a starting running back. And um, that's your number two. You got to be playing him. I don't hate starting Kareem Hunt, but I would much like it, him to be my third or an option I have to kind of plug in. And if he's not, if somebody have to start, I would want to make sure the rest of my team is really stacked. And I'm just not convinced that this team is. The quarterback spots would have Josh Allen. Really good, and Deshaun Watson, it's good, but the value that you took him there in the second and fifth rounds is really high um, when there were other players available or maybe you could have chilled out on him just a little bit. And then Calvin Ridley, I like what he's about. But as your wide receiver, one, again, it's it's just not as shiny to overcome some of the other areas that are a little down. Um, Brandon Ayuk, I like him a lot. He's your second wide receiver again. It's asking a lot of the second-year wide receiver. Will Fuller's going to be suspended, playing for a new team. Tyler Boyd, I think he's pretty solid, and A.J. Green is gone. I think you'll like him, but I just don't think he's got the makeup, the ability to be as impressive a wide receiver as you would need to tilt games for you. And I, I could be off on that. I could eat those words on Tyler Boyd um, coming in. He's, he's 26 years old. This will be his sixth year coming in. I think he's I think he's a really good player. I don't know if he's a, a game changer for you. Um, Ryan Tannehill is your third quarterback, though, and I say plays there, and, and Chase Claypool. I like the pop he brings. Neam Hines, you're going to need a flex maybe. Jordan Howard, we all need someone to drop. And then Jared Cook, not a bad starting tight end there for you. The Hunter Henry's gone. Uh, Dang, uh, dude. C plus. C+. Yeah, I can't. Oh, man. You, you, you took him to the, to the shop there. I can't uh, say anything that's going to change uh, anybody's mind here on the team. I, I think yeah. – but you you said it very right. Like this is what Jay Blizzy does. He also said that he auto he auto picked on the last two picks, and he he thanked us for hosting in the sleeper chat and said that uh, pretend that he took Logan Thomas someone there somewhere in there. That's what he wanted. <laughs> oh, like a, a little grace yeah. pick. So yeah. I don't know if that would have changed the whole trajectory of the team there, Jay Blizzy. But we'll we'll go ahead and give you the <laughs> Logan Thomas pick in there. Um, but yeah, I thought uh, Austin had it well put there. Yeah, we did it. We did it, we boys. Did it. We did Another it. Wrapped in the bag. If you're with, if you're listening along, if you're catching us on on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, go ahead and like and subscribe, and make sure you follow us on Twitter so that you can catch that link to our mock draft coming and 
join with us next week. We do this every Monday. We'd love to have you drafting along with us. Thanks for everybody who did join along. It was fun as always. Johnny Game Time Hicks, Big Travi, final thoughts. Anyone got them? No. No, I'm That's good. Awesome. I got, awesome. I got nothing. Leave us with the final thoughts. <laughs> I love you all. And there's not a single thing you can do about it. Guys, on all behalf right. of Fantasy Whispers, we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.